the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about diving into the mess, the gray, the things that don't have easy answers and don't tie up with a nice bow because, let's face it, that's where most of us live most of our lives. And we'd, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to engage with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. All the previous shows are there. Plus, the show is podcasted. So in whatever fashion you want to listen to us, you can. I recently heard, too, that people have been listening at uh, twice speed, the podcast, <laughs> which I'm imagining how insane we sound at double speed. That's awesome. I'm just going to start sp- speaking more slowly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start speaking in like a really high-pitched voice, make them think like something's wrong with their That's player. That's awesome. I never thought of that. That's good. <laughs> well, the Monday show for pastors in a lot of ways like a recovery day. <laughs> like It's it's kind of coming down from the crash of Sunday, and uh, you know, for us, we have a, a Monday evening service, so you got to kind of ramp back True. up. But uh, what was your weekend like? You, tell, you told me a little bit, um, and you teased out something that you did, I did. that I, did. I think is fascinating. So uh, Saturday was just a normal day, kids basketball, doing all sorts of just kind of stuff around the house, enjoying being with the family. My daughter was on, my high school daughter was on her high school retreat this weekend, so okay. I just had my younger two, uh, me and my wife. Although we did, we uh, this is not the fascinating thing, but we bought a new bed. First bed we have purchased <laughs> in 19 years of wow. marriage. Wow. And it's getting delivered today, and there are very few things in my life I've been more excited about <laughs> than this deal. One of those big President's Day sales, they throw in all this free stuff. Anyway. You're literally giddy right now, like you're bouncing. Like, I want to get done with this show so I can go home and just oh lay my on my God. new bed. It's <laughs> the little things, isn't it? Exactly. Sunday preached for the first time in a couple weeks, so yep. that was like stretching the muscle again. Right um, but here it is. Uh, after basketball, so then my son had a basketball game on, on Sunday, and then after that game, my wife and I got in the car, and we went down to Chicago to the Price is Right live show <laughs> at the Chicago <laughs> Theater. Man, I am like a huge Price is Right guy, so this was my wife's uh, uh, Valentine's gift to me. And uh, we registered. I got. A, I didn't get called up. We didn't get called up oh. on the stage. Us and like thirty five hundred other people. Is there that many people in the Chicago theater? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, I think right, the right, normal right. taping in Hollywood is much smaller. But uh, it was a ton of fun, man. It was all just to go out with my wife, but then like to be in there in the show and the place was full of people just going crazy. It was really fun. See, I didn't do any of that. No, <laughs> I just, my, my weekend was filled with diapers and naps. Yes, and that that's about it, actually. I. I win. <laughs> you do win. win. <laughs> if this if this segment was called "Who Won the Weekend," yes. my guess is you're going to win most of the weekends coming We're forward. Gonna, it's going to take many years of this show before you win. <laughs> it was uh, it was really cool though. The weird thing is, is like, uh, 
not to get over spiritual with it, the Price is Right live show yeah. had a church feel to it. Did it really? Yeah, like being told up and down, like go crazy. In fact, the host even at one point was like, if you get called, we want you to run down the aisle like the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of you. Like They it was that, said that. Yeah, he was just making a joke. Like you the know? Holy Spirit got a hold of you. Yeah, so it had That's to like, fascinating. There's like a weird tie-in to like sporting events or game shows and stuff and like how they kind of mirror the church or how the church we probably wish mirrored those more. right well probably. not not anglican churches but like <laughs> non-denominational churches not maybe that's <laughs> our non-denominational untethered churches <laughs> that's the ones it needs to be right right so it was a blast of a weekend it was really was and it's going to be a nice night when i get to sleep in my new bed and i don't mean to make fun i actually really love my weekends i kind of i, I kind of poke do. fun at it i'm in a season now where and it is sleepless let me tell you like our our youngest has some reflux stuff going on, and my my wife ends up hearing it way sooner than I do. You know, I grew up in a family of nine people, but even in the midst of like the chaos and the sleeplessness and yep. the house being just chaotic, like like I really love. It. I'm really really enjoying just like watching the Wiggles with my boy, or That's awesome. you know, making bottles. It's really strange how much I've enjoyed it. It's given me a lot of, um, I think, time just for reflection of like, yeah, man, this at the, at the end of the day, this is this is what matters. This, like these these couple of these three people. Uh, this is what it's all about. And no they, doubt. there's a couple of things this weekend too that um kind of brought some of that sombering truth mm-hmm. to the forefront. We we uh, experienced this absolutely heartbreaking tragic shooting in Aurora and uh if if you were unaware of that Brian Brian's going to just kind of fill you in on some of the details but there there was um a number of people that we know. We have a a, a location in Aurora. So just mm. no one that I know personally but people that I know and care for very deeply know people who have been affected in some way shape or form by this and it's kind of it's kind of rattled us a little bit out here in Chicagoland. Absolutely. Uh, as be- you know, the story goes like this, that a man who had just been fired or was being fired uh, came back to the Henry Pratt manufacturing uh, facility uh, and opened fire, and he killed five people. Uh, and then the police came, and there was a shootout, injured uh, five or six police officers. Uh, you know, Thankfully, uh, I heard this morning on the news, those police officers, all but one have already been released from the hospital and are okay, and the other okay. one's doing well, okay. but is at the hospital. But just the senseless loss of five lives, and I think that's where I really start to get emotional and feel weighed down is when you start, you know, at first, the, the first, when it first happens, there's all the stories about what happened, right. and then the next wave of stories is about who died. Right. And man, I really, those like, I, I find myself reading all of them that I can and just right. getting really emotional. Like you, they're, they're literally one of the guys who died, one of the young guys, it was his first day as an intern in the human resources department. It was like there. 21, his right? first day. Uh. And then you've got like the human resource manager there who's got a 10-month-old son. You know, just gone, and and all the stories are equally as tragic, and it just is so overwhelming. And you're right; I don't know. I don't think I even know anyone who lives in Aurora. It's far enough from where I live that it's you're closer to there. Yeah. But but having it kind of in our own backyard was weighty. But then just for me, just reading the stories of the people is just beyond heartbreak. And I I start to do weird stuff. I start to go on like like trying to find like their Facebook pages to see their pictures and it just gets right. really yes. really weighty. So I really hard really hard story. Well, and you touched on something uh just a second ago. You mentioned that this is like how the waves of these stories go and the very fact that you're familiar enough with these stories to know 100%. how the information is disseminated that like kids having lockdown drills now as a regular part of the school rhythms yes. like that kind of stuff breaks my heart yep. and and I and again we all kind of deal with these things in different ways like for me one of the things that um I found helpful actually the night of the shooting I wrote this 
prayer of lament, and it's it's not yeah. about I'm not I'm not going after any particular political figure or social figure. Or relig- like I, it's just a lament. It's a it's just this cry out of like yeah. what what is what am I looking at? Like what am I? And it's it's strange. It is helpful, but it also like I I reread it this morning, kind of in preparation to talk about this, and I felt like there was a knot on my stomach all over mm. again. Like this is a roar, and this is close to us. This kind of stuff is not only happening just all over the country, our country, but all over the world. There's a deep sadness and sorrow yes. that pe- like that's always out in front, and I- I'm convicted of how often. I just jump right to the next thing, right? Like just to kind of cope with whatever it is I'm dealing with, or maybe it's not even intentionally coping. I'm just easily distracted, right? So we yeah. like grieve and then, you know, different political sides scream at each other for a couple of days and then we just move on to the next tweet or the next issue or the next topic. And it's it's crazy how quickly we, we can move on from this And it's things. so hard because like you said, it so immediately goes to like, I'm going to yell about gun control. I'm not going to yell about gun control. And, and we don't let ourselves just sit in the tragedy. I don't care what you believe. This is beyond tragic and the randomness of it should scare all of us yeah like i i get scared by the randomness i will be lying if i didn't tell you this i got into the chicago theater with my wife yesterday for for prices right live and had a fleeting thought of man this would be a good spot for a yeah what if it happened yeah i never thought of that five years ago even a year ago and totally. so just that we live in that world right now is so that's broken in that way is just so hard and totally. sad and totally. overwhelming well, this this is a really immediate topic, and so we, we wanted to commit some real time and some yep. real real estate here to, to talk about it. So um, coming up next, we're going to talk to a couple of uh, pastors who are pastors in the city of Aurora yes. and how it hit them and how their churches and communities are walking through and dealing with all this. So coming up next, we're going to talk to Scott Hodge uh, of the Orchard community and just to learn a little bit about what the last few days have been like for him, his family, and his community. And that's coming up next on The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, friends. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. The Common Good, the show all about diving into the mess, the the tension, the the gray, the stuff that doesn't have easy answers, because that's, for the most part, where we live most of our lives. Stuff doesn't always tie up with a nice bow. It's not always black and white. And so rather than shy away from that, we want to enter into that. We want to create space for dialogue, for conversation, for us to even disagree to to not have answers and there's a number of ways you can engage with us you can find us on facebook at the common good radio show you can also go to 1160hope.com all the previous shows are there plus uh, we're podcasted so you can find us on whatever platform works for you um but we've been talking about this incredible tragedy in aurora over the weekend and uh brian neither, neither of us live in aurora but um i know a number of people in aurora particularly pastors who are doing i think some incredibly powerful beautiful work uh, in that city and uh, we have with us a, f- a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Scott Hodge, and uh, I just want to give you just a, a little bit of a snapshot of who he is and what he does, because I think his his journey is fascinating. His heart for this city is incredible. It says, uh, Scott has served as the lead pastor of the Orchard Community in Aurora since 2005. 2016, Scott founded Project Cannabis, an Aurora-based nonprofit organization that's currently developing a 20,000-square-foot historic building in downtown Aurora. The building, which sits directly on the beautiful Fox River, will soon become home to a creative, multi-use social space known as Society 57 and will feature a 350-seat event uh, venue, uh, specialty coffee house, local artisan market, full-size commercial kitchen, and mid-size spaces for classes, workshops, lectures, and more. Scott is an Enneagram 7, that's for sure, who loves (laughs) uh, good food and likes getting lost on purpose. You can learn more at theorchardcommunity.com. Or on Twitter, he his handle is simply Scott Hodge, H-O-D-G. 
E. And uh, Scott, I'm so grateful that you're joining us on the show today. Welcome. Thank you, Ian. Brian, it's good to, uh, good to be with you. Great. So, so we've, we've filled people in a little bit if, in case they were unaware of what happened uh, in Aurora this weekend. But I know specifically for you and your community, um, you had a number of people in your church that were directly impacted by the shootings. I also know that you, you dedicated your entire gathering yesterday to uh, addressing the tragedy. Can you, can you just walk me through a little bit of what, what that was like yesterday? Yeah, I sure can, Ian. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a tough weekend. Um, obviously, as you as you all know, Friday was the uh, this, this tragic um, this tragedy yeah. that occurred. Um, you know, and there's sort of it's interesting because there's sort of two moments that that occur. At least I'm finding for myself. There's there's that moment when you first hear right about it, and then there seems to be that moment when you first feel it. Mm. And uh, you know, I think for me it was uh, it was definitely two distinct moments and. Uh, you know, the whole, the, the, the moment of hearing it obviously was, you know, sitting on my computer, I was actually at home sitting on my computer and email pops up active shooter warning from the city of Aurora. Gosh. And before I could even finish reading the email, my phone just started going off all these texts and people asking if I was watching the news and, wow. you know, so I did just like everyone else turned on the, turned on the news and we all sat and stared and, uh, you know, started hearing the schools were on lockdown too, which was, Man, you know, you just hate to hear that, yep. and and sort of thinking about all my friends and you know people I know who work, you know, work in the schools, have kids in the schools, and and uh, and then there was this moment <clears throat> when I think it was on Twitter that I saw a post, and and I can't remember who it was from, but they they were essentially saying that the Aurora Fire Department was calling for all available ambulances to the scene. Wow, and. Uh, of course, that's when I realized, uh, right. you know, man, this was uh, this was going to be a, this was, this was not a good situation. Right. And so, of course, as as we know, it wasn't obviously it was a not not just a not a good situation, but it turned out to be a very awful and tragic situation. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, so that was the that was the hearing of it part. Just and you know, for me, I kind of go into leadership mode of like, what what do I need to do and what what needs to be done. Um, the, the feeling part of it was the next day. So my, uh, my mom, actually, she had run into a store somewhere in Aurora and ran across a woman in our church whose, uh, brother-in-law was, uh, was one of the victims uh, of this, of this tragedy. Um, yeah. And so, uh, uh, you know, my mom called uh, by the name of the guy's gentleman's name was, uh, Vicente Juarez, Mm -hmm. um, he was a stockroom attendant at at, uh, at the company and forklift operator, and uh, he was one of the five that were killed. Uh, so that was that was kind of the moment when I really felt it, you know. Yeah. It it, it it really hit home, and then I found out a little bit after that that there was another one of the other victims who were killed was the best friend of a couple in our church, mm. uh, and that was a young guy by the name of Clay Parks. Um, who had just started working at the company, I think just a couple of months before all of this. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that, that hit home. And so we, um, we obviously we dedicated our gathering this weekend to, uh, to addressing this throughout our plans. We were, you know, in the midst of epiphany and um, we said, you know what, this is what we need to do. So we just took time yesterday to pray and sing and lament and, uh, cry and hug and, yeah. and draw strength yeah. from, uh, 
each other. And from God, yeah. Yeah. I saw in the news last night, it looked like there had been like um, uh, churches and pastors coming together to pray. Uh, what do you see even in this short time since it happened as – uh, how are the churches coming together? What kind of things are happening um, where the church is able to step in as pastors together? Well, you're right. There was a there was a vigil uh, yesterday evening, um, and I I don't know how many people were there. It was pretty. There were a lot. Literally gathered together in front of the building of the scene of where this happened, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it was pastors from the uh, the Aurora area praying for. Praying for the victims, praying for their families, praying for the uh, you know the, the police, praying for uh, praying for our city, and uh, it was a it was a beautiful scene, um, you know. And it's and it's interesting because I and I, and I know this is this is not just in a, something that's experienced here in, in this in the midst of this, but but one of the things that that um, I think is always the case. It's like in the midst of these very dark and tragic moments, right. Where we where we often are witnessing the very worst of humanity, right. uh, somehow, right alongside it, there seems to also emerge the very best yes. of right. humanity. And I, uh, I you know, word that comes to mind is that is that word brutal. Mm. You know, B R U T I F U L. Mm. It's a, uh, I forgot to get, I think it's a Glenda Mellon kind of came up or talks a lot about that phrase, and she talks about how life is never just beautiful nor is life ever just brutal. Yes, right. And uh, I would say that as, be- as brutal and tragic as these, as these past few days have been, there's also been so much goodness and so much beauty that has uh, come about in the midst of it all. Um, it, it's been really incredible, actually. Uh, even watching uh, people in our community, our church community, uh, t- take a step back and say, you know what, how can I... Um, how can I use my time, my resources, my yes. creativity to help unite and bring people together and to, uh, to raise money and to, you know, and to help. It's been, it's been beautiful. That's, that's incredible, man. Well, I, I mentioned earlier, you're an Enneagram seven, right? Which if you don't know is, is the enthusiast, which I imagine <laughs> an Enneagram seven in environments like this can be a really tricky place to be. But for anyone listening, who's either not anywhere close to Aurora, doesn't know anybody in Aurora, um, but is, feeling moved and stirred by the news? Like how, how can we, even from a distance, be praying for you guys, supporting you? Like what, what are some of the ways that just that anyone listening anywhere um, could kind of come alongside you guys? You know, it, it's, we're sort of just now getting a better sense of what the, the needs are in terms of practical needs. Um, you know, there's, there's several, um, you know, GoFundMe pages and stuff on mm-hmm. Facebook, um, and, and people are responding, which is wonderful. Um, you know, that's a really great question. I think that um, what, what I would say is a couple of things. I would say that that obviously prayer, um, continue to pray for our city, to pray for, you know, I, I have to just say I'm so proud of our city. Um, I have uh, been been blown away uh, by the leadership that I've seen come from our our police and everybody from our, our police department, our police chief has been incredible. Um, our mayor and uh, our, our, you know, the, the, the police, everybody involved. It's just been incredible to everyone step up and handle it in such a, uh, such a professional yet, yet very caring and, uh, and loving way. Um, that's really come across. And it's been really great to see that. Um, you know, Aurora is an interesting place. I think what I would say is, is that, you know, um, 
Aurora is working on shedding a, a, a rough reputation uh, yeah, from right. several years ago in the 80s, 90s. It was not the, uh, you know, it just didn't have the best reputation. It was, it was a lot of crime. Um, and so one of the things we've been working really hard to do is help change the perception of our city and which, which the city has changed so drastically. Yes. Um, I mean, that's part of the reason we're doing this project in downtown Aurora and making such an investment. Um, is, is, is being a part of what's happening. And so I would encourage people, you know, um, don't, especially people in Aurora, don't see this as a step back, see this as, uh, as an opportunity, I think, even to take you know, a greater step forward. Um, support Aurora. Come out and hang out in Aurora. Um, there's yes. exciting things happening, great things happening in our city. That's awesome, man. Thank, I just want to say personally how, yeah. how grateful I am for you, for your heart, for your leadership, and, and for your friendship, man. I, I want you to know that we are praying for you guys. We're coming alongside you guys. If you're listening, I can't encourage you enough. Check out the Orchard Community on Sundays at 10 a.m. They're at 1175 Oak Street. You can find out more uh, at theorchardcommunity.com. Can't thank you enough, man. Grateful for you. We're praying for you guys. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Yep. Appreciate it. And coming up next, we're going to talk to community pastor Rodrigo Cano, who is also uh, a pastor in Aurora, and he's going to share with us a little bit of his heart and some of the stuff he's experiencing there in Aurora. So that's coming up next on The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, friends. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about diving into the mess, the gray, the tense, the stuff that doesn't have easy answers, because I think if we're honest, that that's probably mm-hmm. true of most of us most of the time. Stuff isn't always black and white, doesn't always tie up with a nice bow, and uh, we want to kind of dive into that and create a space for dialogue. You can do that by finding us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com, plus the show is podcasted, and so all the previous shows are there. Um, And as we've been talking about, though, this last weekend has been an absolutely heart-wrenching one in the city of Aurora, specifically. Um, Five people dead and many more injured, and uh, so we wanted to... Not not just kind of share our thoughts because it, it hits close to home for both of us, but neither of us are actually in Aurora. And uh, at Community, we actually have a location in Aurora. My good friend Rodrigo is the pastor there. Um, you can find out more about their location at communitychristian.org slash Aurora. And, and he's he's kind of new to the team even um, just the last couple of months. Ooh. But um, I wanted to have him on the show to kind of share a little bit of what this last weekend has been like, what yesterday specifically was like. So uh, Rodrigo, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me uh, on the show, and uh, it's good to, good to be here. Well, Rodrigo, at, at all of our locations yesterday, um, we shared a video that you had made, um, not only kind of like leading our church pastorally, but also like leading us in a prayer. And I, I know that at the Yellow Box, where I'm at, um, that was a really deeply moving moment, like just watching the people of Naperville um, like lifting you up in prayer, lifting Aurora up in prayer. Um, what was yesterday like in Aurora for you guys? It was a uh, it was a mix of emotions. It was um, you know we get there really early to do some rehearsals and the band is there and just like the people were coming in and um, you know the, the the atmosphere was a little bit heavy. So like we had to pray quite a few times during our rehearsal time and the time that we had before the service and it just kind of like like be honest with god and be open with god and mm. just surrender and just like god like we come here with so many questions and with so many concerns and with so many things in our minds that we just want to surrender uh even a few weeks ago 
we were, as we are going through a series called Explore God, mm-hmm. we, we asked the question, like, why does God allow pain and suffering? And right. One of the things that we said in, in that talk or that teaching was that it's okay not to be okay. Yep. And so we made it, like, really clear to our congregation, and we made it really clear even to the leaders and the people that were there, like, we're not trying to put a, like, a face or, like, get over-spiritual, like, Guys, it's okay not to be okay, and and I think that brought a lot of peace to a lot of people, um, to our leaders and to the people that were you know were yesterday um, at our at our service and just being open and honest and have conversations around what happened and how that impacted you know the the life of the people that are coming to our congregation, people that actually live in, uh, like closer to to where they shouldn't happen. Right. We have a a, a a person who lives like um, a block away from that, and so he was telling us, you know, how impactful that was. And we have another person that said that um, after that happened on um, Saturday night, uh, going to Sunday morning, there was uh, shots around her house, mm, she wow. at that part of Aurora, and, and just like how afraid she was, like she didn't know what was happening. Um, the police. Wow. And we're so grateful for the police and first responders, like, they showed up. And so, but, you know, it's a, it brings so much insecurity, so much. And, but in the midst of that, like, we can turn to God. So, I mean, it's a combination, like I said, like, it's a mix of emotions that it's sometimes it's hard to, to describe. But right. that, that's where we are, yeah. And talk to us about how the pastors and the various churches have been coming together. I know I saw in the news that it looked like there was a, a kind of a service of a bunch of churches coming together, a prayer service. I'm wondering uh, what's going on amongst the churches of Aurora right now, as as this is all still very fresh. Yeah, well, there's a, a pastor that is really well connected to the police department, his name is Randy, and and they organize this prayer uh, vigil, and they just reach out to all the congregations around um, Aurora, and not only like the Christian churches, but it was it was so so nice to see there was a, a rabbi and he had a time to to pray and he like he was he, he was he was like really honest he's like I cannot offer prayers in the name of Jesus but I just want to say that this it's beautiful to see the diversity the, see the diversity in our city and within within the church and within mm. the faith yeah right and just uh, and so that you know the pastors organize these and. And, you know, they're reaching out, like, is there other ways that we can help? Is there other ways that we can come together as, as one church and be representatives of, of Christ? You know, different ways of worship, different ways of maybe interpreting some of the Scripture, but coming together and just, like, be united in, in, in the midst of this situation. And, and not only for this time, but by looking forward in the future, how can we work together Mm. You know, pastors of of of, uh, of, uh, of a city that, that needs you know to hear the, the the good news of the gospel and the comfort, and it mm. was so so great uh, great to be there yesterday. The city said that there was a, around seventeen hundred people showed up, wow. um, and it was like it was raining and it was like it was freezing rain, but people like you show show their support. Yes. Um, and, and the love and the passion for the city, and that was it was that was so so good to see. I saw pictures and video too. I mean, it looked like an incredible gathering, and that you're exactly right. Like that 
in conjunction with snow and ice and sleet and people with their hoods up still saying, no, this is our city. These are our people. Like, we're not, we're not going anywhere. Well, honestly, just personally, such a powerful thing to see my news feed kind of get flooded with, with those kinds of images. So in light of that, Rodrigo, um, how, how can we be praying for you and your family, for community location there, but also the other churches, the other, just the people in the city? Like, would you just talk to us, cast some vision for us a little bit about the, the ways that the rest of us, anyone listening, can pray for uh, or support um, the efforts there in Aurora? Yeah, well, I know there's going to be some other efforts, and we're we're having conversations. We haven't like really come to a point like what exactly what we want to do. But for now, just just forgot to like bring healing and peace, and and um, especially for the families who who were affected, and and for wisdom as as wisdom for our city authorities and wisdom for us as a church, just to so that it's it's not something that. You know, it happened, it shocked us, and then we forget about it. Yeah. Um, mm. we, we don't want that to happen. Uh, we want to, like, really, 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 really get together and, and start looking for the well-being of, of the city. So if, if, if people can pray for, for that, that, you know, the unity of the city, yes. for the city authorities, for the authorities within the church, so that we can, we can, we can come together. Mm. And just the healing and the peace and, 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 and you know, the... the that process of healing that needs to happen in, in, in the city and the neighbor and the neighbors that work they live so close to that factory. I'm 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 pretty sure that factory workers, you know, um, are going through some difficult times. Yeah. And, I mean, so much healing and so so for that, I think it would be so important for people to pray for that. Absolutely. Well, man, that, just personally, can I just say how grateful I am for your friendship and your leadership? I'm so glad that. Uh, you are there in Aurora, uh, leading the way, loving people well. Uh, I can't encourage you guys enough uh, to join them Sundays at 10 a.m. at 78 South LaSalle Street in Aurora. You can find out more information if you'd like at communitychristian.org slash Aurora. There you can uh, learn more about Rodrigo and the work they're doing there in uh, in the city of Aurora. So grateful for you joining us today, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, and, and so thanks so much. Thank thanks, you. man. We're praying for you. You've been listening to The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm, a show all about diving into the mess, the gray, the tense. Uh, sometimes stuff gets heavy, though, too. I think for the duration of the show so far, yeah. uh, we've taken a, a pretty deep dive into a really, really uh, heavy, tragic, heartbreaking conversation, yeah. but also one that has left a lot of us still uh, looking for answers, right? Like, I think this is still so fresh that a lot of us are still wondering think, what next. I think it's been fascinating. You know, you don't these kind of things happen in your backyard, and you want to talk about them, like this shooting in Aurora this weekend. And uh, but man, it was really good to hear from those pastors. Oh like, my to hear goodness! Hear the pain going on in their own lives, and then the in their faith family. But then to hear there was still glimmers of hope. Hope, hope, hope and beauty and yeah, encouragement. Yeah, totally. I was really glad we were able to talk to them today. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. All the previous shows are there. Uh, but I thought we'd come up for air a yes. little bit, right? So we, we we took a deep dive for a while, and I, I think we needed to, and I think that was really both heart-wrenching and uh, encouraging. But I want to come up for air a little bit just because it's been heavy so far. And uh, I'll read the headline, and then you kind of fill in the details. Yes. Uh, the headline says this, $1.5 billion Mega Millions prize remains unclaimed 
in South Carolina. Yes, yeah, so it's Columbia, South Carolina. The winner of a $1.54 billion lottery jackpot has yet to come forward. Uh, and as <laughs> because of that, that means the state of South Carolina might be a big loser because economic officials on Thursday had to remove the estimated $61 million windfall the winner was expected to have to pay in income taxes oh, right. and other estimates. They had to pull that out of their budget uh, for this year. They had budgeted it in. Uh, the extra money had been included as the governor and lawmakers prepared for spending priorities for new voting machines for the entire state, a 2% raise to all teachers, oh, a police man. officer in every public school. Listen to this. It is about 0.5% of the money that lawmakers have control over in the state budget. You never think of that. That's I never crazy. would have. No kidding. That's crazy. I, I, I never would have thought of the implications of an unclaimed prize like this. Correct. And so the winner, from when you win the lottery, I didn't know this, you have 180 days to come forward, which means that at this point, the deadline runs out in 64 days, and nobody knows who this person is. Nobody knows if this person's going to come forward. Oh, my word. And you just start, your mind starts to go places. Like, what if this person lost this ticket? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, like, Can you imagine? Knew, or, like, even never knew that they won. Like, oh, if wow. They bought a ticket. Oh, I lost it. There's no way that I won. Right. Or if they've lost it right now, and they're searching everywhere. <laughs> Hopefully, chances are this person's just getting all of their assets in order with a lawyer and all of this stuff. But, but they've taken a long time to do that, though, right? No. So the winner, it says, has a uh, $1.5 billion prize over 30 years or $878 million lump sum. Wow. So let's start there. Which one are you taking? $1.54 billion prize over 30 years or a lump sum of $878 million? Over 30. No questions. I would too. No questions. Yeah, just because it's more or because you trust yourself more that it's coming in slower I, increments? I, the latter. I think so too. <laughs> you hear so many stories of lottery winners going broke and oh, like yeah. their lives going off the rails. So totally. I think I'd want that. Uh, that's small millions over 30 years, yeah, right? Yeah. Just, just <laughs> single-digit millions will be fine for me. I mean, it's not even single digits. It'd be, it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. All right. So if you're taking $1.54 billion prize paid over 30 years, yeah. uh, what are some of the first things that you would do with that money? I'd probably uh, pay off my student loans and with the remaining money, maybe go out for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, no, the, oh, I get what she did there. I get what she did there. With the remaining money, I'd have the mac and cheese. Like, yeah, may, maybe I'd get two steaks. I don't, you know, I, I have, uh, I've wondered this question for a while. It's one of those things that I think in our head, we think we're going to be wiser with it than we actually would be. But yeah. like, on, my brain goes to a couple of things. One, I'd love to buy my folks a house, you yeah. know, something Something that would just, you know, be like wonderful to retire. And I, I would love to, I mean, my student loans are paid, which I love to pay off our house. But like, I'd lo- I, I would love to just give a massive amount of money to our church. Like yeah. that would just bring me, that sounds such a cheesy pastor answer. Yeah. That would just bring me so much joy. I, I mean, set up kit, stuff for my kids, all that. But like my wife and I, one of the things we both really love is traveling. Mm-hmm. Like just getting a chance to see the stuff that we've only ever seen in pictures. The traveling thing, I'd love to, I mean... For me, both of us have a uh, just a huge heart for um, low income neighborhoods and the homeless, and like just to be able to pour money into like my mother in law has a ministry called uh, Timothy's Ministry. Wow! In honor of uh, her son, and so like they're doing incredible work caring for people. Yeah. Um, in these really really tough situations, I'd love to just be able to like 
platform them and bless them and be able to yeah that would just be such a like selfishly that i would get so much joy honestly out of being able to do that i think you're a better person and more biblical than (laughs) (laughs) my first mind's like maybe i'd buy a sports team maybe i'd buy this obviously a sports team doesn't even cross my mind and that even isn't enough money for it but uh yeah it does make you wonder i don't know how i'd answer this question i think i'm pretty confident to say i'd keep working like i don't do my jobs Hmm. Plural now for hmm. the money. Right. Uh, I think I'd keep working. Maybe I I'd would feel too. less pressure to have to be in day in and day out. I sure. can do more. I don't know. I'd probably move to a bigger house just because she could, but I don't know. I would like to think I would be reasonable with it. Like yeah. I'd set up stuff for my kids. <laughs> I'd pay off some stuff, probably try to bless some people, but then I'd go on the coolest vacation ever. I like you and your wife, me and my wife, when given the opportunity with the kids to travel is my favorite thing to do and for us it's usually like get in the car and drive to florida or right. drive out east but like to the kids we're, we're we're doing this one big this time <laughs> don't, don't you feel like it is a bit of a blessing though that both of us would say i'd keep working like i enjoy Absolutely. so much what we do and it's not without its lumps for sure like every Absolutely. job but like man oh man that that is like that is a clarifying question right if if you if you answer that question oh the first thing i do is quit my job yep. Um, why wait? Yep. Like I, I think there's, there's something about leaning into like God. Maybe you've wired me for something more yep. to take that risk to step out in faith. Uh, what is it? Maybe more that you're leading me toward. And I think that's that's a worthwhile question to keep at the forefront, man. Absolutely. I'd like to have the opportunity with that many millions. Yeah. No kidding. Well, coming up next, uh, should we keep studying a fired pastor's work when someone's removed? Should we keep reading their stuff? Should we keep engaging with it? That's coming up next on the Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hi, friends. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about diving into the mess and the gray and the tense, the things that don't have easy answers and don't tie up with a nice bow. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. All the previous shows are there. Plus, we're podcasted. So whatever platform you use to podcast, I guarantee you we exist there. It's ridiculous how many platforms are available to listen to podcasts. I love that you said you heard from some people who are podcasting us but listening to us on faster speeds. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, we don't speak fast enough as it is, which I guess is an encouragement. But speaking of things that don't have easy answers, you know, we've been talking for as long as we've done the show, which is now, what, a a full five weeks? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've 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 seen a number of um, kind of pastoral tragedies just in the last year or so in Chicagoland, not to mention at a national and, and global level. And a question that I've been kind of racking my brain to engage with is, should we keep reading books mm. by fired pastors? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm not even asking about any specific pastor, but like, is there any sense of conviction or or tension or like when someone's removed from leadership? Um, for any any list of reasons, should we, as Christ followers, as fellow leaders and pastors, um, should we keep reading their stuff? Should we keep engaging with their content? Or you know, because I keep reading articles about so and so is pulling all their books from the shelves, or so and so has canceled all their programming. 
And I I do understand it from like a PR level, right. but I'm asking more individually, like people who have either disqualified themselves or ha- were removed for any listed reasons. Should we keep engaging with their content? Not not just future content because sometimes that happens, but previous content. content. Yeah, books they wrote, you know, they wrote ten years ago. Should, yeah. should we keep engaging with that? Yeah, and. You know, A, it makes me sad that we have to have this conversation because, like you said, yeah. it just feels like we keep <laughs> – there keep being fallen pastors and disgraced pastors. And, right. you know, we're in the middle of it here between the willows and the harvest and all that kind of uh, stuff. Um, and, two, I think you made a good point. Things like, you know, Lifeway. When Lifeway pulls a book or an entire author, whether it be Jen Hatmaker or James McDonald or right. whoever else, right? Um, for different reasons, right? Jen Hatmaker to – James McDonald are completely different reasons, but we have to remember Lifeway or any of those are a business. Yep. They're making a business decision. Yep. Uh, as much as we want to believe it's being made on other deci- other reasons, they're making a business decision. So I think it's right of you to say, but what about us personally? Right, right. What do we do personally? Uh, and I personally think that there is still value hmm. uh, in reading things that have been written by people who may have ended up falling later on or whatever else. But I would say that with a caveat. My, I would say that my caveat is this. Um, I think all too often we read books because we worship the person who wrote it. Mm. Right? Oh, Bill Hybels wrote this. I must read this. Right, right, this. right. And I think that's where this gets really messy. I mean, that's a whole other topic, the whole subculture of, like, the authors just being the big pastors and everything like that. Um, you know, I think if what they wrote about uh, was – completely nullified by their actions, <laughs> right? Like yeah. uh, if Pastor A writes about, you know, a moral integrity and purity and then it comes out sure. he wasn't, you know, there might not be much to read there. But, mm. um, you know, I always tell you I like to read about Scott Sauls, who I love, a uh, pastor and a blogger. He said, my personal belief is yes on this. If a fallen pastor's work is congruent with the grace and truth of Christ and is of value to the body of Christ, then grace allows and might even insist that the work can still be esteemed and benefited mm. from um, – but always with a caveat. I mean, it changes how you read it. I suppose it depends if you're reading it for the content or the person who created the content. Okay, that's a good distinction. What you're reading it for. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think of, uh, you know, Paul in Philippians when people are running to him complaining about people preaching the gospel with wrong motives. And Paul essentially says, man, if the gospel's going out, I'll rejoice in that. Like, yep. again, maybe his perspective as someone who's in jail at the very least under house arrest maybe isn't, <laughs> maybe that's more descriptive than pres- prescriptive. But, but I, I've also heard people say, well, hey, you know, David did some awful things. Yeah. Moses did some awful things. We still read from them. And we I think Solomon yeah. going on out there. <laughs> yeah. But that's also, that's holy writ. That's scripture. Yeah. Like that's, that's canon. Should, should there be distinctions between like it what you're saying? Different. Right. A pastor writing about like purity and, and integrity. And then it comes out that he wasn't, you know, living out any of those things. It's like, well, but then yeah. again, I don't know. Like I'm torn because. I think even someone who's living a total lie can sometimes still stumble into truth. Yeah. Like you can still say true things, even if you have no sense of how to live that out yourself. And I don't know, like I, I don't think my faith is so fragile that if somebody yes. has been removed or has been found out, I, I don't have to emulate this person. I'm certainly probably not going to like promote it, write a great review, yep. but are there things I can still learn from them yeah. or about them even, um, even at the very least has like warning signs. Like, okay, let's see maybe what led to this person making this series of terrible decisions. I don't know. Like I, I read books all the time by people who aren't Christ followers at all. That's right. like, and right. I think that that's healthy for like, like rich spiritual formation. So 
I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on this one. The other caveat, if I'm being really honest, though, is that if it's a book I have to purchase, like money going towards an organization. I'm not sure I would purchase it on the back end of like after right. having learned these things about people. Right, right, right. I just as pastors, you and I have bookshelves full of people. I've got, I mean, cards on the table. I, I looked at my bookshelf the other day and they're multiple books by Hybels, multiple books by McDonald, multiple books. And you, totally. yeah, you're you going to burn them? You're going to throw them out? Right, right, or, right. But to be honest with you, I would also understand the person who takes the other way and says, nope, I'm done with these people. I I would get that. Mm. I would get that. And for me, it probably comes down to what are they talking about? Like not every sermon that Bill Hybels like over the last 30 years did now is null and void. Yeah. It's it's colored. Sure, <laughs> it's, sure. It's a little, you know, there's some there's some subtext to it. Um, but I, I think I would want to be, um, you know, deciphering enough to be able to go, you know what? I, I can still learn from this book. This book still had an impact on me. I can still go back to it. Or there might be things that he wrote where I go, nope, yeah, I'm right. done with that. I'm done with that. For me, I, I don't think I'm willing to make a blanket statement. Every disgraced pastors or writers books are got to go away. Right. I think I want to look about what were they writing about? You know, what were they, you know, how does that play into this? Do you, do you feel like you might be, it might be more difficult for you to actually receive true words that are said by someone who's fallen simply because you now know that all this has been found out by them. So there might be something in their book that you'd be like, ah, I don't, I'm not going to listen to that anymore because that's so-and-so when like that might actually be correct. But because <laughs> this information that I know about yep. you is actually harder for me to receive it, even if it's hundred percent true, like yeah. you find that that would, that would temper your receptivity to somebody's content. So. Yeah. I think it would. And I think of sermons too, right? Like podcasting sermons and stuff. Yeah. I went through like a lot of us young pastors did in the day. I went through a lot, a, a stage of listening to a lot of Mark Driscoll stuff. Right. right? And right. When Mark Driscoll kind of went off the rails and his church fell and stuff like that. Uh, I just couldn't listen to him anymore Yeah, because it was just clouded for me. And, it, but that the, wasn't a moral issue. That was like a personal issue, right? Correct. Correct. But it's still, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like the shtick of it all kind of got me, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't think, especially the guys who have fallen in spectacular ways, that I my respect level would would be so low for them mm. until I saw a lot of repentance and right. I mean, as an aside, this is a whole other segment for another day. It really bothers me when these guys bounce back up in like four months. Yeah, right. Another book or another this, and, and they're I, back in the positions that yeah. were not good for them in the first place. I would say I would not. I would not allow any of their words to be at all, you know, authoritative or if you will, over me. Yeah. Um, but you know, some topics they may have written about might be helpful. And for that reason, I could still read some of their stuff. That's good. I don't, I don't feel like this is going to be the end of this conversation. No. I think this is at the very least hear this. I think the, the encouragement from us is to do the hard work of actually researching, yeah. um, you know, where this content comes from and to be learning in the context of community. I think that's always important because I think community helps us kind of catch blind Absolutely. spots that we might, otherwise have. Well, coming up next, it's a story out of Florida. We love stories out of Florida. <laughs> the headline reads, an 11-year-old arrested at school after refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm. So we're going to talk about that next on The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, friends. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about Dive it into the mess, the stuff that we disagree on, the things that we change our minds about, the stuff that is kind of the gray area, which I think if we're honest, there's probably a whole lot more gray yep. than we realize. Sometimes I feel like we're, we're driven to have to have black and white answers, but like in our heart of hearts, we're like, I don't, I don't really know. And I think that's kind of the nature of the show to create space uh, for conversation, for dialogue, for us to disagree. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook at the common good radio show. You can also go to 1160 hope.com. All the previous shows are there. Plus, 
We're podcasted, so wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be there as well. We'd love for uh, you to leave a review, give us feedback, let us know how we can improve. Said it said kind of creepy. We'll be there as well. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be waiting for you there in podcast oh, land. Hello, hello, welcome. <laughs> what are the odds of seeing you here? Well, I uh, I saw my uh, news feed sort of blow up today with a story about a an 11-year-old Florida boy who was arrested uh, after refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Did you mm. hear about this story? Uh, I did. I hadn't really dove into it until you mentioned it to me, and it's uh, it's got some complexity to it. Well, walk us through some of the complexity then. Yeah, so it's an 11-year-old boy, uh, and he decided not to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I think it's important to note that the teacher there was a substitute teacher. Right. Uh, and so the boy said he wasn't standing for reasons uh, of racism. He right. called the flag racist, right. and he brought, he brought up Colin Kaepernick. I mean, sixth-grade boy, right? Right. And so the teacher got really mad about this and yep. I think used phrases like, uh, well, then if you don't like it here, then leave, that kind of stuff. Yes, right. Um, the boy ultimately got arrested, which I find crazy, but he ultimately got arrested not for not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, but what the teacher called being disorderly and disruptive. Right, right. And they brought in the resource person. Uh, what then ended up happening was that the school tried to backtrack and be like, we have a policy that says kids don't have to stand for the pledge, hmm. uh, and this teacher will no longer be working here. This teacher was inappropriate. So the little like the the, the clickbait headline is "Boy got arrested for not standing for pledge of right. allegiance." There's some more nuance to it, but it does raise a lot a lot of questions. Well, especially the arrest of an 11 year old yeah. like that that seems crazy to me as well. But it it did get me thinking though about uh, the pledge of allegiance in general, and and I thought I don't really know. The history of how that even came to be, yep. like how that became such standard practice. And I found a, a short video that NPR had done that kind of explains briefly the the background of the Pledge of Allegiance. And I, I just found it fascinating. So I want to I play that audio for you now. You know one thing as American as the Pledge of Allegiance? Capitalism. And it plays a starring role in the history of the pledge. Picture this. It's the 1890s. The Civil War is a memory, and there's an influx of immigrants. Patriotic groups want to reignite the idea of one united nation. The Youth's Companion, one of the biggest magazines at the time, is on board with this idea. Which is good, because all the kids are reading it. So as part of a promotion, they start offering free U.S. flags to readers who sell more subscriptions. And part of that ad campaign, they created an official school program for the 400th anniversary of Columbus sailing the ocean blue, a day that wasn't so controversial back then. They invited every school in the country. And of course, they required the raising of a flag. To mark the raising of that flag, they needed something special, a poem or maybe an oath Cue the socialist Baptist minister, advertising copywriter, Francis Bellamy. He reportedly whipped up the pledge in a few hours, and that pledge was recited by millions of schoolchildren across the country. A few decades later, by World War I, as nationalism swelled, nearly all U.S. schools recited the pledge. A true American tale about how the need to sell more magazines created our original 23 words of patriotism. Mm. Alyssa Nadworny, NPR News. So, I don't know how much of that you knew or not. A zero percent. <laughs> I knew zero percent. And it does get to the, um, the, uh, the 
the necessity of understanding how things came about. That's right. I mean, that's that's right. a fascinating story. Yep. And I, I actually didn't even realize that the words under God weren't added until 1954. Yep. Like that's something that I, I, I honestly was never taught. Yep. I just didn't know that. That's you know maybe a different discussion for a different time. The thing that I want to talk about, though, is uh, would Jesus stand and recite the Pledge of Allegiance? You know, that whole WWJD yeah. trend. Like, you can talk about the history. You can talk about motives. You can talk about which camp or which side or which party. What I'm interested in is what what would Jesus, what was what would following Jesus, blocking in Christ-likeness look like? W- would Jesus stand? Would he recite the Pledge of Allegiance? What do you think? That's a loaded question, man. <laughs> uh, I'm going to deflect a little bit here and say it this way. Uh, Jesus was certainly about a, a different kingdom than the kingdom uh, of this world, right? And so um, I, if I were had to put my money on it, I would say Jesus probably wouldn't stand or he would stand, but he would make sure people understood that he was not Mr. Nationalism, Mr. Uh, Mr. America. And so um, – Cards on the table. I got kids in public school. They all say the Pledge of Allegiance every day. I got no problem with it. I love America. I just don't understand when people get so worked up about those who want to question things about our country, right? who want to uh, question things about even like the pledge or give people the freedom. I feel like that's what our country is based on, yep. to give people the freedom to do stuff like that and why we get ourselves so worked up about this. I think – I love the 4th of July. I love America. I've told people before, there is nowhere else in the world I would ever want to live. Uh, and so, but I just don't understand um, the wrapping oneself in the flag and to the point of getting really like visibly angry when people have opposing views. Sure. I, I Honestly, I don't understand it. I mean, this isn't being said by somebody who who really agrees with a lot of those views right. or, or feels them, I should say. Well, that, I feel like it makes more sense, though, when you understand the word allegiance, right? Like, yeah. it makes sense to me that people will get worked up because we literally use the words pledge and allegiance, yep. which are pretty loaded words. And Good I, point. So I found this this uh, article by Dr. Preston Sprinkle writing about this, and he said, try blowing up your next Bible study by asking the question, should Christians stand for the national anthem yep. or recite the Pledge of Allegiance? You might just start a fight. He goes on to say, the first Christians, however— would have gladly wrestled with these questions, and they did. And I want to read just a couple of excerpts yep. and kind of get your feedback because I, I think it's loaded with great insight about our allegiance and about nationalism and about who our true king and lord is yes. and how that plays itself out in a modern context, which can get messy. It's obviously not something that we all agree on. So this is what he writes. He says, The early church's relationship to Rome was a pressing issue, and Scripture speaks to it with profound clarity. Paul says that Christians should submit to the state, obey its laws, and pray for its leaders. Peter says the same thing, and Jeremiah encouraged Jewish exiles to seek the welfare of Babylon when they were living in exile. Christians are to be good citizens. The apostles publicly refused to submit to Rome's laws when they conflicted with the ways of Christ, and Israel's wild-eyed prophets denounced the nations, including their own, for violence, oppression, and mistreating the marginalized. Mm. The fulcrum of the biblical story hinges on a revolutionary peasant king who received the death penalty for treason. Yes. yes. How does that hit you? What do you think about it's that? It's 100% true, and and that would blow up a Bible study. <laughs> yeah, times. no kidding. I just think, I, I think you bring up a great point, the word allegiance. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing in, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that makes us feel like we shouldn't love America. We shouldn't pray for our leaders, obviously. Yeah. We shouldn't get into public office. Uh, I just get so frustrated when our people 
when, when believers seem more worked up about things of nationalism or things mm. of the country than they are of things of the gospel. Like we have a kingdom uh, and a Lord that is different, yeah. and, and yet I don't feel like we often live that way. And can I throw another one that I think will be a bomb for sure. people? Yeah. I categorically don't think churches should have the American flag up. Oh, man. Brian really, Fromm. I Brian don't. Fromm, what are you I, doing? I don't, but yet I know so many do. <laughs> yeah. And I think it gives a confusing – it provides a confusing message that uh, that if you're not willing to explain that message, yeah. then then you shouldn't have the flag up. Wow, that's I, honestly that's a conversation for another time too. I'd love to pick your brain about that. I want to I want to share a little bit more of what uh, Doctor Sprinkle said because I think that this is this for me in a lot of ways uh, is the conversation to have regardless of you know, your politics or religion. He said, "No Christian in the first 300 years of Jesus uh, would have pledged allegiance to Rome during a church gathering." Roman flags didn't stand next to Christian flags in the first century. House churches and followers of Jesus viewed themselves as citizens of one, one Lord, one baptism, one kingdom of sojourners scattered across the earth as colonies of heaven. Christians in America are more like Israelite exiles living in Babylon than Jewish kings reigning in Israel. Mm. So should Christians pledge their allegiance to a flag? Would Jesus do it? Here's what Sprinkle says. He says, while Christians should submit to the state, pray for its leaders, and render qualified obedience to its laws to pledge allegiance is a profoundly religious act. Mm. It's a religious statement infused with divided loyalties and borders on syncretism. I think the burden of proof rests on those followers of the crucified lamb to show that citizens of heaven can truly pledge allegiance um, to anyone other than Christ, and that's something Christians need to think about deeply. I think I, think I love his call to think I, I grew up in the public school. I said the Pledge of Allegiance every day. Yeah. My kids, like I said, do. I've never talked to them about this. Yeah. I would never tell my kids, don't do it, don't do that. But the fact that I think you've challenged me here, or this article has to say, hey, have the conversation with your kids. Yes, Help them right. understand what's going on here. Help them understand this in light of who our true Lord and where our true allegiance lies. Yes. And if you want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, in the morning, that's fine. Sure. But – I've never had this conversation with my children. I think I think now I need to. Yeah, yeah, and it's one honestly that it's a, it's a new conversation for me at least yep. at this level. And I think uh, I would love to continue this conversation because I think it's a really important one, particularly around the issues of uh, allegiance and loyalty. I think it's ultimately it's less about an elephant or a donkey; it's about the lamb, right? About the lamb go. of God, right? It's about who sits on the throne, regardless of who sits in what office. There you go. Well, coming up next, we're going to interview Nate Olson from Go Promoters about a new effort in Chicagoland called Go Underground, and I think you are really going to be fascinated by this particular story. That's coming up next on The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, friends. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about diving into the stuff, not only that we have in common, but like the stuff that we, you know, is in common space, the kind of ordinary life that Monday through Sunday most of us live in. Most of us are not living either on a mountaintop or a valley, and we have questions, and often there's not space to engage with those questions. So we want to kind of dive into those things rather than shy away from them. And there's a couple of ways you can engage with the show. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. All the previous shows are there. You can also find us podcasted on any platform you so desire. And uh, we have with us a very special guest. His name is Nate Olson. He's a local Chicago suburbs native. He has an incredible wife of 13 years, two daughters, Lexi and Nora, and he attends Mission Church in Bloomingdale, a church that I love personally very, very much. Uh, but Nate is also a part of uh, a group, an organization called Go Promoters. You can learn more at gopromoters.com, and they uh, they exist to help people experience Jesus through music by running local Christian concerts. And mm. 
His desire is to have more people understand the unrelenting love of Christ through the ways that he lives his life. And, and Go is launched in something pretty unique, pretty uh, specific to Chicagoland that I'd love for you guys to know about. So, Nate, well, welcome to the show. Welcome. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it big time. Our pleasure. So, so you, you have this, uh, this thing that you guys have been working on, dreaming about for a while, uh, called Go Underground. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the heartbeat behind that and what that looks like? Yeah, you know what? Go Promoters for a long time, for the last like four and a half, five years, and Ian, you know this very well as uh, someone who uh, really put in his blood, sweat, and tears into kind of uh, giving the initial um, you know, foundation of Go five years ago. That's right. Um, but uh, we've, we've been putting on shows, um, you know, in, nobody takes a salary at Go Promoters. It's a, it's a ministry that's, uh, that's a nonprofit that uh, we all have a blast, uh, you know, being able to put on these big shows. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've had a good time doing it. Um, uh, you know, most recently we did uh, for King and Country mm. over at Willow. We had 6,800 people that showed up for that. Wow. And, um, wow. You know, but, but all of us as a board, we met recently and just started praying over what really God wanted for the organization in order to truly live out, you know, the, the foundational verse that everything's been built on is Mark sixteen fifteen, which is go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And when you do a show that's like for king and country, most of the people who are showing up to that show already have, mo- most people, I would say, have a foundation of Christianity coming yeah. into that. And uh, we, we really, as we were praying and thinking about what we wanted to implement with some of the, um, uh, the resources that God has blessed go with, you know, we were like, where, where can we go in order to make sure that um, we're reaching those people that have, are lost, that, that don't yet know Christ? And, uh, and that's where Go Underground was born. And it's a way for us to be able to bring the same great music that Go is used to producing, but doing it in a way that's more kind of the local, kind of the, the craft feel versus uh, craft coffee versus Starbucks. Mm, you know? Oh, it's I like the, that. It's the, the, the being able to get down in the nitty gritty and being able to just do life with people where they're at. Um, rather than trying to get them to come into our environment, let's go into their environment. That's great. Bring the same great music, uh, and, uh, and and that's what Go Underground is. So we've actually got our first stab at this. Um, it's a concert series that we're doing, uh, where this first one is actually this coming Friday, February 22nd, at the Coach House in Schaumburg, which is a bar. They're not used to doing a whole lot of shows, but they've got some great sound equipment that they put in for you know things such as this and. Um, we got a great opportunity. We feel like God really placed a lot of these details in our lap that, mm. uh, that Carrollton, uh, the band Carrollton, which, um, recently toured with, uh, Zach Williams. We did a show earlier in the last spring with them. Um, and they're national headliners. Their 2000, uh, 2018 Olympics shows their song made for this is their theme song. Wow. Um, wow. they've got, if you see the Jeep commercial right now, made for this is actually, their uh the the song that you hear within the background of the jeep commercial so this is a this is a big quality band that's coming in to a local bar in schaumburg and uh and our goal is and we've got two great local openers fourth point and blame the hero um our our goal is to be able to uh present christ just through our love and through the music um it's not going to be a blatant you know in your face or in your face um you know, uh, birth, death, resurrection, um, you know, how that all works, but more of a, hey, we're just putting this out there. Here's what's kind of made our lives a whole lot better. It's also brought some some difficulties, but, 
it's brought us a peace that and love and grace that's that's unrelenting and you know uh, basically to to be able to spur conversations with those people that are there that's and great. uh and it's yeah it's 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 taken off a ton of people are going to be there and uh, and we're excited about continuing to do this not just once but continuing to do this on a regular basis so that we can meet people where they're at rather than asking them to meet us cuz a lot of these people aren't going to you know, uh, accept an invite to church on a yep. Sunday morning, but right. they'll accept an invite for a beer and, and good music. So, I, Along those lines, I'm curious from your perspective, what is it about, Ian and I joke a lot about, I'm, I'm not much the musician Ian is over there. What is it about music that you think opens the door uh, to people being open to have discussions or uh, hear the good news of the gospel that churches or other things would not be able to accomplish? You know, I don't, I think it's the, I think God wants his, his, his children joyful, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I think that, uh, I think that when, when music is played, there's joy that emits from that. If mm-hmm. people are, you know, if you go to a need to breathe concert or a U2 concert, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that the experience is, is similar where you've got people who have somewhat of a Christian background that are singing these songs that in a lot of ways, like their Christian faith shaped the, the lyrics to these songs. And you've got people that are believers and non-believers both singing these lyrics and, you know, simultaneously, you know, some of these people, even with their hands up, not even knowing what they're doing. Yeah, right, right. You know, I, I, think that there, I think that there's a special, I think God looks in that and the Spirit is just present in those situations. And, um, you know, I, I think that's what's happening there. I love that, especially as the resident musician for this particular show. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate that, actually, because a lot of how this was birthed was... Uh, the church that I pastored in Bartlett, Poplar Creek Church, uh, we were running like a kind of a makeshift venue out of the youth building, and yep. we were finding exactly that, that people, we weren't, there was no like gospel message, there was no kind of bait and switch, it was like people showing up and just being like loved on and cared for, and it created this like groundswell of like, okay, so what is it, what are you guys, like what are you about? Like, it created this curiosity that I, uh, I've i always really appreciated about Go, because it, uh, what a beautiful mission to go into all the world and to see what your mission looks like now and what it could be, I think just shows incredible wisdom and insight. And I'm excited for this, this new effort. And I'm curious, just, you know, in a, in a minute or so, anyone listening that's, they have no idea who Go Promoters is. They've never heard of you guys, but they're intrigued. They want to get involved. What are ways, one, that they can get involved, two, that they can learn more about you, and three, that we can just be praying for you guys in this new effort? Yeah, so uh, how you can get involved is we, we're always looking for new volunteers that can help us out. Um, uh, so if you go to our website, gopromoters.com, uh, there's an easy way to be able to sign up just to be able to make sure that you know of those things that are coming up that are available to volunteer for. Um, you know, honestly, some of the other ways you can help out are the, the, the simplest of ways, but they go a long way. Um, and that's, you know, following us on Facebook and, and social media channels. Facebook is the number one place where you'll see us. Um, sharing those posts, liking them, commenting them, you know, the, the number one way that we get our voice out there is by other people who know of us that just engage with us on a regular basis. So um, if you just go, you know, facebook.com, you guys all know how to get to Facebook. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's a dot but, com, Nate. Is that what you're saying? It's a- <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but go to Go Promoters and, uh, and follow us. Um, you know, just join in the conversation. That would be phenomenal. And how you can be praying for us is just that, uh, that you continue to, or that God continues to bring us the, the bands, the people, the, you know, this next effort is really going on faith. Um, 
you know, it, it was, it, like I said, it was a gift that Carrollton was available for, you know, as, as you all know, it costs money to run concerts. Right. And uh, our goal out of this the re- was to be able to actually, um, you know, invest into the, the, the local music scene and, and be able to help help out with that. Um, it, I would just pray that, that future endeavors and future efforts go as smoothly as this one does. That's great. And, well, uh, and, and that people uh, are kind of brought into our path to be able to help this, this effort. That's great, Nate. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. We're praying for you. You can learn more by going to gopromoters.com. I can't encourage you enough to do so. You guys are doing great work in Chicagoland, and uh, I'm grateful to know you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Nate. All right. Thanks, Ian and Brian. Appreciate it. Coming up next, we like to land the plane every day by kind of sharing some of the insanity that we found online because, as we all know, if it's on the Internet, it must be true. (laughs) So that's coming up next on The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good Friends. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a show all about the stuff that we have in common, but also kind of the common space, our everyday, ordinary, sometimes mundane space that a lot of us find ourselves in, because that's where we usually are. And so we want to create space for conversation, for dialogue, for disagreement, and for sometimes just to not have answers at all. Like, I think sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we step away from a, a conversation or a topic and we say, you know what? I don't know. And uh, we'd love to engage with you. You can find us on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. All the previous shows are there. Plus, we're podcasted, and uh, you can get our podcast on any platform you so choose. And today in particular, I feel like we took a deep dive into a couple of heavy topics. And so we like to end the show just with some craziness that we found online. And I'm I'm always shocked that it's so easy to find insanity. Like, we never are strapped for stories because there's always some insanity Somewhere on the interwebs the, that we find. The internet always wins. It ne- never disappoints, man. always wins. Why don't, you, why don't you kick us off with a little internet insanity? New York. Here we go. New York. Uh, man at Outback Steakhouse pretends to get stood up on Valentine's Day, gets free meal. <laughs> a, That's brilliant. A dateless man pulled off the ultimate Valentine's Day ruse by pretending to get stood up for dinner. Known only as Steven, a prankster shared his idea on Twitter <laughs> Thursday. And he wondered this on Twitter. If I went to Outback by myself tonight and asked for a table for two, then got progressively sadder as the night went on alone, <laughs> do you think they'd give my steak for free? Guess what happened? <sighs> free steak. <laughs> and he, he documented it all with uh, uh, all online. So, I mean, I guess I can't um, technically encourage thievery, right? But he... I mean, he documented it. There's, there's a, there's a dark genius to that in general. But um, wow, good. I mean, way to go, New York. I guess. <laughs> All right, Florida. I don't think we've ever done a single one of these and not gone to Florida. Nope, every time. <laughs> uh, it says, "Baby boy born abroad." Uh, abroad boy. Let me start over. Baby boy born aboard. That's a lot of bees. Jeez, a jet blue plane named Born to Be Blue en route to Fort Lauderdale. Let me just say that again so it sticks in your head. There's a boy that's born uh, aboard a jet blue plane. <laughs> I can't say any of it. They named him Born to be Blue. So <laughs> I don't know. Are you even able to? Is that a legal name? Born to be Blue. They named him Born to be Blue. And so that, can you imagine having to introduce yourself with that name? Called Bob. And then, right, my name's Born to be Blue. You can call me Bob. I couldn't even get through the headline. That poor guy has to explain the whole story. That's funny. Tennessee. I don't know. This is this is kind of funny, kind of dark. So we're going to make a decision here. Tennessee dating website helps people connect with prisoners. Okay. 
Uh, it is often said that there is someone for everyone in this digital age, online dating. There are countless niche websites and apps promising to help you find that perfect person. Wow. There are even websites for people looking to find love behind bars. One of them is <laughs> loveaprisoner.com, which calls itself a pen pal service with a mission to give inmates a sense of hopefulness. Uh, like, that's I'm good with, but if it's right. like to give them dates and stuff, like right. that's, that feels... I kind of misunderstood. I thought it was like to connect with people that you were already dating when they were in prison. This is for oh, people who are specifically like, like into. This is like farmersonly.com oh, but for boy. the prisoners, my man. Wow. Well, I mean, oh. to each their own, I guess. I guess. Delaware. I don't know if I've ever done one out of Delaware. It says man's car stolen while he's asleep in the back seat. <laughs> a man's nap in the back of his car in Delaware turned into a nightmare after the car he was sleeping in was stolen and crashed. That's terrifying. Like, I'm a hard sleeper. Did he not wake up till it crashed? I guess not, man. Like, what? that's Listen, I'm from a family of nine. This story gets me. Like, I, I understand sleeping through car beings. That's just, that's something that I can commiserate with. I feel like. That's crazy. That's Like, my wife often, because our, our baby's waking up every 12 minutes or whatever. I'm not hearing them most of the time. i like, honey, you need to, like, punch me in the face yep. in order to wake me up. I'm sleeping right through it otherwise. I remember when we had little kids and I'd wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I feel like I slept well. Did the baby make it through the night? And my wife would just look at me right. and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. I'm reading the room. Right. right, I got it. All right, England, where we often go, we sure. go to England. I mean, we don't go to England. We go to stories Stories England, from right. England. Uh, the title's just this, Bloody Hand Fished Out of British Canal. Okay, that's the beginning of it. You are dark today. No, it's going to turn here. The British police department said an officers investigating reports of a, quote, bloody hand floating in the canal. So people were posting about this, like a fisherman just found it. Where is, this, is it coming from? Is this from? it getting better? This is the it's better about part? To. It's about to. It made a far less macabre. Macabre? Macabre? How do you say that? I have no idea. <laughs> Discovery. It was a plastic prop from a mannequin. Oh. But all these people <laughs> thought it was. Nobody would pick it up because it's a bloody hand. It's right. floating, I wouldn't. It's I floating wouldn't. in the river. Nope. And the police finally went down there, and they jokingly referred to the tweet as graphic images of a detached mannequin's hand. So. <laughs> I can't. Bl- I have a strict no touching severed body parts policy. I can't imagine. I mean, that does not surprise me that nobody would touch that to discover that. that it was. I'm going to let that line go. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to let it go. All right, here's uh, one out of Kentucky. <laughs> Man mistakenly gets wife turnips instead of tulips. <laughs> uh, uh, Valentine's Day is a chance to get your significant other something special. Sometimes people will let you in on what they're looking for, but one Ohio County man, man's Valentine's mix-up caused some big laughs on Thursday. Alan and Nina Harris of Hartford have been married since 2006. For Valentine's Day this year, Nina wanted something that would last, so she told Alan uh, that if he got her flowers, she'd like some tulips that she could plant outside. Tulips are an annual. Uh, annual? Annual. Right? Sure. <laughs> Which means they will come back every year. However, Nina did not know how to react when Alan showed up with turnips for Valentine's Day on Thursday. <laughs> Apparently, he misunderstood what Nina wanted. That well, is awesome. You got one last one? Last one. I'm not even going to read the article. We, we, I think we touched on this story last week, so it's a happy ending. Florida again. Just the headline. Stolen monkey returned to Florida is in good health. I think you talked last week about the one-pound monkey that was stolen from the Florida Zoo. It yeah, got that sounds returned, right. and wow. it's in good health. Well, we had a heavy day today. We like to end it with some laughs, with some joy. Regardless of where you're at today, our hope is that you're encouraged, uh, that you lean in when things get hard rather than run away, that you create space for conversation, for dialogue. This has been The Common Good here on AM 1160. Hope for your life.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.